Hi, hello, and welcome to Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bume, and I am really excited about today's guest because it's Juliana Barwick, who is one of my favorite musicians. Her music is, is it's powerful and intimate, warm and, and commanding all at once. It, it, it's great. She has a new album that I highly recommend you check out called Will, which is out now on Dead Oceans. You can check her out on tour this summer. Head to julianabarwick.com for dates. In our conversation, we talked about our shared love of the record store Other Music, which sadly is closing this month. And if you haven't been there, make sure to visit it before it's too late. And it was just announced that they are having a farewell show at the Bowery Ballroom on June 28th, which Juliana will be playing as well. Before we get into it, I want to say thank you to Audible.com for their continuing support of Oh Boy. For a free 30-day trial, go to audible.com slash MR, as in Man Repeller. Thanks, Audible. Now, Juliana Barwick. I did West Coast. Yeah. Do you know the artist, um, musician Masisa? Yes. He's like yeah, one yeah, of my yeah. favorites. Yeah. Um, I asked him to sing on the record and then asked him to do a bunch of shows with me. Oh, so that's cool. We did a little West Coast run. Um, super awesome. I like love his music. Yeah. And then I did Arco Santi for him. Yeah, I saw a lot of pictures from that. It looked like a lot of fun. It was my second year, like... It's dreamy. Yeah. And then I just got back from Moogfest. Oh, down in uh, North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, I saw a bunch of pictures from that, too. That festival is, like, huge now. It was great. Yeah. Both festivals were totally great. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So where'd you grow up? Uh, born in Louisiana. Where in Louisiana? West Monroe. Okay. Where in the, where in the state is that? Um, it's kind of all the way north. Oh, okay. It's where... Um, the show Duck Dynasty takes place. Yeah. I actually went to church with all of those people and really? stuff. My dad was like their like youth minister and camp director. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so like w- they were like on their way to like making their fortune in duck calls at that point? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I were mean, you surprised when you saw them have their own TV show? Yeah. You were? Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. But I already knew that... Before the show, even like anytime we would go back down to that area of the world, like you know, everyone, every duck hunter was like crazy about Phil and his duck call. And, really? And we would see it, you know, at Bass Pro or whatever. <laughs> you're t- for, for those that don't know, you're talking about Bass Pro shops. Yeah. 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 That's like the, that's the shorthand name for it, Bass Pro. I guess. No, I, I, I don't know. That's what I always I, called it. Yeah. I couldn't wait to go there sometimes. I don't know why. Really? Yeah. Were you like, <laughs> in, were you like a big like fisher? Like were you uh, I think I just or? liked the way it looked inside. Yeah. And had like weird taxidermied animals and yeah. <laughs> which also disturbed me and still does. But I don't know. I liked, I liked it for some reason. What was growing up in Louisiana like? Well, I only lived there till I was five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, my whole family's from there, though. But uh, uh, really, really hot. 
really, really hot, steamy, um, lush. Yeah. There's like, you know, I was at uh, summer camp every summer and there were like, you know, huge pines. So the whole, you know, floor of the camp was like sandy and pine needly. And the smell of that is outrageous. Yeah. And there were like mimosa trees and since it's almost like always almost 100% humidity there, those beautiful smells just kind of like linger in the air in this like really amazing wow. way. Yeah. Where did you go when you left there? We moved to Springfield, Missouri. Uh-huh. Was that um, a big change for you? Um, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Went to kindergarten. Yeah. Um, and spent like eight years there. Um, we had some land, we had some sheep. Um, my dad was still working for the church, but then, um, when I was 13, we moved to Tulsa so dad could go to med school. Oh, Sue's like, I don't want to be a pastor anymore. Um, kind of, I mean, he's, he's a pretty adventurous person. Um, I feel like he just wanted to make a change yeah. and he'd always, you know, been really interested in doctor stuff yeah. and decided to try it and actually made it happen. Is he so. still a doctor to this day? Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Is, and they're still in Oklahoma? Yeah. That's cool. That's where I go for Christmas and all oh, that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oklahoma's great. I, um, I shot a music video in Oklahoma in like the Southern part. Okay. Um, and like we were there for a week and yeah. it was just, it was perfect. Tulsa is like the center of the universe. I can't go anywhere without meeting somebody who I have some kind of Tulsa connection with. It seems like it's really strange. It happened at Moogfest this weekend. Oh yeah. You know, met someone who lives in LA, but we got to talking and we discovered that like we were at the same Beck concert in Tulsa (laughs) on the Odelay tour, you know, it's like, (laughs) It's really funny. It happens a lot. Yeah. So what were you spending your time doing there? Well, we moved there when I was 13. Yeah. Went to high school and then did some college and Tulsa opera and then moved to New York. Well, I mean, just to, just to back up a little bit, like, were, like how were you spending your time growing up? Like, what were you doing? Um, well, I mean, since my dad was the youth minister, which isn't, it's not like a pastor kind oh, of okay. thing. It's more like... He's in charge of all the stuff that the kids... <laughs> He's in charge of all the stuff that the kids would do from, like, babies to college. Like, weekend retreats, summer camps, oh, okay. classes. Like, he was the youth minister. So is that, like, the cooler, like, fun guy? Yeah. In the, like... Yeah. Like, like we're going to do all the cool things together. We're not going to, like... I'm not the guy who's, like making you feel bad about things. (laughs) Right, exactly. And he was really, really good at it. That's cool. And the kids all, like, loved him a lot. And it was a lot of hard, hard, sometimes thankless work, I think. Um, What was your mom doing? She's being a mom. Yeah. Yeah. When you're, you know, growing up in in Tulsa, like, what were were you interested in? I was interested in... um, music and yeah. the arts. I was in choirs at school. I was taking voice lessons. I um, was hanging out with, you know, the weirdos and skaters and yeah. punky punky kids, you know, getting arrested for being um, 
in the wrong place, you know, near yeah. near my high school with all the all the <laughs> bad kids. I was like all into the arts and stuff. Where did that come from? My well, my mom probably. Really, she's uh, an art major, beautifully wonderful singer. Can draw anything just out of the air. Yeah, yeah. Like, so you're like in a really creative household growing up. I mean, well, with my mom. Yeah. My dad was very like cerebral, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but like my mom was definitely like, you know, she she looks at the world in this kind of like wonder, you know, appreciates all the beautiful things in the world and just gets really, you know, excited about flowers and, you know, music and all of those things. So I definitely got that from her honest. Was there stuff that she was like exposing you to or introducing you to? Well, I mean, she was singing all the time, whether it be just around the house or at church when we would sing together as a congregation, you know, she'd be right next to me. She was also in like, uh, a group called the true life singers and they had microphones and matching outfits and would sing acapella like church songs in front of people. So I kind of got that like mommy's performing kind of thing. I remember this one (laughs) outfit had like rhinestones on it. It was like pretty awesome. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Were your parents like supportive of what you wanted to do? They've always been supportive. Always. Yeah. That's great. Even when they didn't really understand what I was making or doing, they they definitely always were very enthusiastic and encouraged my uh, not normal artsy inclinations. Yeah. Were there were there were there folks that you were like looking up to when you were growing up? People you were trying to emulate? I had so many musical loves. I mean, the first thing I can think of is like Whitney Houston. Yeah. I loved when I was a kid. Um, you know, I listened to the radio, taped the radio like everybody did. Oh man, you I miss know, that so much. yeah, it was really cool. We would play radio, like yeah. friend, me and my friends would play radio and like, <laughs> like tape the radio and act like DJs and stuff. Yeah, um, like calling in and being like, "Hey, can you please play the song?" Yeah, like and it being s- like the biggest deal. <laughs> yeah, we would yeah. like sketch it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, I was always like way into soundtracks, even as a kid. Really? My parents took us to some pretty like heavy movies, which I really appreciate now. Like, you know, seeing Empire of the Sun or The Last Emperor or even like Dances with Wolves or (laughs) something like, like, um, (laughs) I, I was a kid, but I just like completely fell in love with like soundtrack music there uh there's this movie somewhere in time with christopher reeve and jane seymour oh i've never seen that and i was obsessed with that soundtrack and would pick it out on the piano so i know how to play all of those songs from when i was like seven or eight watching this movie wow yeah that's so cool i remember when i was sick when i was like 11 or 12 and my mom rented me a clockwork orange and I remember that just like changing my life. <laughs> yeah. That's She's like, important. it sounds like something a kid would watch. Oh, no, no, no. She knew what it was. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I have still never seen that. I have like, I have this funny, 
here we go. <laughs> I have this funny thing that happens to me when I watch movies that have like too intense, yeah, like physical hurty stuff. Oh yeah, I faint. Yeah, it's like vaso, you faint. Vasovagal episodes is what it's called. Really? Yeah. So you like fainted in the movie theater? Before? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. And on an airplane? Really? Yep. Watching a movie on an airplane? Yes. Wow. Yeah. And how long are you out for? Like a minute or two. I actually don't know. Wow. Um, but I always know when it's about to happen. <laughs> so you, ha- so like, so do you subject yourself <laughs> to like, so like if you're going to go see something that you know is brutal, like, will you do it? Or will you just like, I, I just, I can't see that. I can't I, go to that. Like, yeah. Like that movie that the Revenant or something like, I'm just not even going to bother. Right. Cause if there's like super grody, like hurdy body stuff, oh, yeah. it's almost a for sure thing. Yeah. And I don't even have, it's, the weird thing is, is like, some of the time, it's not even like, I've seen the thing that's gross and hurty, it's, I am, I know it's you coming. Know it's coming. Yeah. 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 And my mind just like shuts down. <laughs> it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like brains like, not happy, this is crazy. We're just gonna, yeah. we're gonna pause. We're just gonna shut this down. We're just gonna, we're gonna yeah. just like. Yeah. Is it over? Okay, back up. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have to be careful. I saw I saw the lobster last night at BAM. I heard about that. It is one of the best movies I've seen in years. Okay, There's great. a little bit of brutality in there, though. Okay. I had the greatest day, though, the week I went to, like, three different movies in a day. That's Like, three like different fun. theaters. Yeah. You know, like, it was just warm out. I was just riding my bike around the city. Yeah. That's my dream day. Yeah, I only did that once, and I remember what it was, and it was, like, the most perfect thing. It's the kind of thing where you buy one ticket, and you go to two. Yeah. And it was in Tulsa, and it was Rushmore and Best in Show. Oh, my God. Yeah. Those were in the theater at the same time? (laughs) That is fucking beautiful. (laughs) No, I remember remember Uh, Rushmore. I remember seeing Rushmore in the theater, and I remember, like, when the lights came up. That was, like, the first time I was ever, I ever had the experience in the theater where I was, like, Oh my God! Like, this is this is what I want to do. Yeah, you know. It's. I hope I'm right about that. I think I'm right. No, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Seems like it was around the same time, but that's amazing. Yeah. Um. Was it? Was there a path that you wanted to follow? Like when you were in high school, did you know where you wanted to go? What you wanted to do? Like, were you were you making music at that time? Um, only making it in the way that I always had, where I would just sit down at my piano mm-hmm. and tinker and play and just play makeup stuff, which I still do. Mm-hmm. I've done that my whole life, just making stuff up, but not necessarily recording it. I didn't start recording stuff until I was like 19 or 20, Yeah, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, I always loved music. My dad taught me darkroom photography in high school. Um, that's, that's amazing. That's um, what my degree is in from, oh. from Hunter. Oh, here. you went to Hunter? Yeah. Oh, cool. So, do you knew that you wanted to come to the city? Um, was that like something that you had in the back of your mind? You know, it's funny. Like, I don't have like strong memories of thinking that consciously. Yeah. But then several years ago, I was going through some like high school papers or something, mm-hmm. and it's. Uh, our English teacher would ask us every once in a while some questions. And he said, if you could visit one place, what would it be and why? And and I just was like going on and on about New York. And I was like, wow, I don't even remember that I th- 
thought about that in right. high school. And it was like, I'd love to go. I'd want to see some art, maybe run into Bjork and, <laughs> you know, like it, all this stuff. And like, um, see some dance, see some art, see some music and, and then figure out how to move there right. was the last line. Really? And I was like, I don't remember thinking that, but I guess I did. Yeah. And, um, it actually, the way it worked out was my high school best friend, she, she moved to New York, like 2000, maybe, maybe end of 99 mm -hmm. to go to FIT. Okay. And then she, she uh, had a roommate that was going to move out and she called me. She was like, you should be my roommate. And I was like, okay. And she was like, haha. And I was like, no, I think, I think I really want to do that. Wait, so you, you, you were, were you out of high school at this point? Yeah, I was in Tulsa. Oh, you were just hanging out in Tulsa? Yeah. I what was doing, doing like community college. Yeah. Um, Tulsa Opera, mm -hmm. you know, just for like a couple of years after um, I graduated. Yeah. And then moved to New York. Wow. Yeah. What was that like for you? Do you remember when you got here? Oh, psyched. I was like completely <laughs> ready. Um, so you ended up moving in with your friend? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Where were you guys living? Astoria. Yeah. It was the first year and change, and then I moved to Greenpoint. Okay. So I've spent about... 10 of 15 years in Greenpoint, I'd I say. Love I love point. Greenpoint so much. Yeah, it's great. It's the, it's the best. Yeah. My studio used to be in Greenpoint, down on Java. Yeah, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, I know, it, like, the back of my hand, obviously, now, you yeah. know. It's just McGlork like, Park is, like, so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It's really stunning. Have you ever gone to that, um, I've never been, but I've always wanted to go, like, you know that church that's off McGlork Park? Yeah. Um, do they do like a dance party where it's like in the dark? No lights, no lycra. Yeah, have you been to that? No, I haven't. I've always wanted to go to Me that. Me too. Do yeah. they still do it? Uh huh. Yeah. I want to do that. Yeah, I think it's on Tuesdays or Wednesdays or something. Fun. You gotta look it up. But yeah. Yeah, because I've I miss dancing. I yeah. used to go dancing all the time in Tulsa. Really. And I've never, I've never really found a place in New York that I've like gone to a lot. I mm. mean, I've ended up dancing here a bunch of times, right. but like haven't had a place, you know, that I love to go to. I kind of miss that. Yeah. It was really fun. So when you got to New York, what, what were you doing? Um, I got a job mm -hmm. and I went to school. What were you doing for work? Um, I found a job answering phones at a salon in Soho. Really? Yeah. It was so weird because I got here and, you know, my friends and roommates were super busy with their things. So I just kind of had to like follow my nose and figure it out and right. get the lay of the land, you know, like everyone's first year here. Right. And I was like, I need a job. It was like, I, I had saved a lot of money to move to New York. So I had a little, but I was running out. And yeah, I needed, it goes real quick. Yeah. And I needed to get a job. And so the way I found this job was Village Voice Jobs, like online. Oh my God. I think it was online. Yeah. And I was like, I waited tables for like 10 years mm -hmm. in Tulsa and I was like, I can, I can answer phones at a salon. Yeah. So I like m made my way there and it was like pretty fancy and the owner hired me on the spot, which I, I kind of figured out why later as I worked there for a couple of years. Oh no. What does that mean? <laughs> well, I mean like a lot of freaks would would come and apply oh, okay. you know and I looked <laughs> semi-normal probably <laughs> but I was like right there it was like right on 6th Avenue in spring so yeah. it just put me in this like weird part of Manhattan you know and it was like summer 2001 and uh it was really funny because 
there are like a lot of celebrities came there. Really? Yeah. Like the guy that was doing all the supermodels, all the supermodels were coming there, like Joaquin Phoenix, like Jake Gyllenhaal, like all these people. So I got kind of like a pretty like, you know, crash course in like just being like chill with celebrities, you know, like getting Christy Turlington's credit card out of her wallet for her, you know, so she doesn't mess up her manicure. Right. It was actually a really cool, weird thing. And um, it was a great first New York City job. And, uh, and I was going to Hunter like full time too. So That's cool. my first year was for a year or two. It was just like jam packed with work and school. And you, and you were going there for photography. Yeah. Did you, I mean, uh, was, uh, did you know, like, have you ever seen Larry Clark's book Tulsa? Yeah. Yeah. Of course. So good. Yeah. Was he somebody that like loomed large in that town? Like did people like know of him and his story? We knew of him, you know, yeah. like I think he, um, predated my crew a little bit, but you know, I, I was, I was kind of part of that scene, Yeah, you know, hanging out with like skaters and weirdos when I was like 14, 15, you know, um, before it was like cool and in yeah. the mall, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of stuff. Yeah. For sure, that my friends were up to. I mean, yeah. I mean, when you're bored and you're young, it's going to get weird. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was the same thing for me in New Jersey, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So so when you're in New York and you're in school, you're working, you're busy all the time, was like music something that was on your mind? Well, I mean, it always was in a way, mm-hmm. but I remember like the first thing, you know, I did with like my student loan money or Pell Grant or whatever it was, was like I ran and got an electric guitar. Yeah. So it must have been. And then I had like um, just a four track Mm -hmm. and I was just kind of messing around with that stuff. Um, But just, just messing around Mm -hmm. for like, I didn't really start recording stuff until um, I started looping stuff in 2005. Yeah. That was like, and then I got excited, you know? Yeah, what was that moment like? Did you have, was there like an aha moment where everything kind of clicked into place and you're like, oh, this is what I, yep. this is. It what? was like, just came crashing down. Yeah. I was like, okay, this style of creating music mm-hmm. completely jives with everything in, in my like constitution. Which like, is what? Like? Which is like, don't want to work too hard on it. Don't want to overthink it. Don't want to plan it out and sketch it out for days and days and months and months in advance. Right. Like I just cannot work that way. I like to work quick, mm-hmm. improv, spontaneous, just off, off the cuff, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it just worked perfectly for that. My friend just had, I think it was just like a white digi delay mm-hmm. that if you like hold it down, you can like loop a little bit. He showed it to me. I was like, I have to borrow that and like mess around with it. And it just totally clicked because it was like super fun. I would just make something up and then listen to the end result and be like, that is so cool yeah i love that yeah like this is what i want yeah, yeah. like i want to see where this goes and here we are yeah so like so you recorded a record like so what was like your first experience like 
kind of making a record and getting it out to people? Um, I started making all the sanguine style mm-hmm. little guys like in 2005 into 2006, and I had like a million of them mm-hmm. and decided, you know, um, that I wanted to put it on CD. Yeah. That's all my brain knew <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Um, and I was working in an office that, um, that we shared with a company called virtual label, which Mm -hmm. is really great uh, here in Brooklyn. Um, and they kind of like, they set artists up with digital distribution, physical distribution, but it's kind of like outside of the label norm. Right. So it's really dope. And, um, and so I was like, Hey guys, like see a lot of cds and stuff laying around do you know how one makes that happen and <laughs> can you help me do that yeah. and uh i was like yeah you just need to get your stuff mastered i was like okay i don't know what that means <laughs> and they hooked me up with paul gold at salt mastering who i've used for everything except oh, for amazing. except for one yeah and then um and then i obviously had no money during this time really and my sister like lent me 300 bucks to make like 500 CDs, I think, or something. Yeah. Maybe it was the other way around. I'm not sure. Anyway, she like, she loaned me the money for, for that. And, uh, I think Sanguine officially came out January, 2007. And you released it yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And like, so how were you getting it out to people? Were you just, would you carry them around with you and just give them out to people when you were walking around? Were you hanging outside like the Virgin Megastore being like, Remember those guys that used to stand outside and be like, hey, you like hip hop? Yeah, like I think hip-hop? they still exist. <laughs> yeah. Check out my mixtape. Um, I don't I don't know how it happened, but I was an immediate other music enthusiast upon moving here. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we, oh, yeah. Other music There's is, a lot to I used, say. I remember coming to other music when right the first year it opened, I must have been like thirteen or fourteen or something and just like having my mind blown. Totally. That place is like such a important place to New York and I know like we always you know things are always changing everybody always laments things closing but like that place in particular is like one of the most special places that ever existed here I am in complete agreement with that um basically I had like two goals over these last 15 years Mm -hmm. and that was a to like you know I thought maybe one day I'll make music and other music would sell my stuff because I just like just, I used to take a cab from that salon mm-hmm. that I worked at to go run and get the new like animal collective or something yeah. when I had like $5 to my name, you right. know, I would like, it was so important to me and, and I just loved it there and everyone was just so cool there. So nice. Even when I was a young kid and I would be coming in trying to buy like dumb stuff and they'd be like no why don't you check this out yeah you know i didn't have any older brothers and sisters like other music was like the thing that just kind of like opened my world in so many ways and that's the thing i just i always felt that there was just like endless music to discover there you know like i felt like that's the thing that was one of the things that makes me so sad that it's closing because i was like there's still so much more to be I can't, found in there. I like don't want to accept it actually. It's like hard to accept. It's 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 so sad. I mean, man, I saw William Bazinski play there with like 11 people. 
Yeah. It was incredible. I saw I saw um, Animal Collective, you know, probably 2002 or something. Yeah. And they're just sitting on stools and doing it mostly just kind of like, like Sung Tongs yeah. style, like um, probably, I don't even know if they were mic'd. It was just like... I think three of the guys and just singing and I have like 35 millimeter like photos of of that time somewhere. But I mean, it just was so amazing. So I feel like I don't really remember. Sorry. I mean to go down like a, no, no, no. This is really important and I have more to say. Okay. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But like, um, so it was already like, I think they already kind of like, knew my face at least. And then when I had those CDs, I think I just trotted them right into there. I was like, please check this out. And I remember like the little yellow slips, you know, like Mm -hmm. bringing in my CDs and stuff. And we just formed a friendship. And, um, I met Amanda Colbinson who worked there for a very long time. And she back in the day, you know, did, um, you know, radio mm-hmm. and she had her own company called Chouette and she loved Sanguine. So she like took it on for, and did, and did radio for it for free. Wow. Because I had no money. Right. It's just that well, kind of thing that other music is about. Right. Well, what, what did that feel like when you put your music out there for the first time and people started connecting with it? How did, how did that make you feel? Great. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was real. I was like, this feels right. Yeah. This is what I like. I like, I like creating. Um, I like making stuff mm-hmm. and I like connecting with people and I like looking forward to parties or shows <laughs> yeah. and organizing things. Yeah. Like it satisfied so many different levels of my brain. Right. Um, were you playing shows at the time? A few, like a handful, mm-hmm. like, I definitely know that Sanguine's CD release party was at Glasslands, which who I already had a relationship with them because was it the Glasslands that's on Kent or was it when it was the Glass House? It was, was Glasslands, yeah. but I had played Glass House yeah, was, like twice, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I saw Colleen do a show there. You know Colleen, the yeah. French musician. Yeah, 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 cool. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean that place was great. What a what a wonderful time. <laughs> no. That time was amazing. I know. Like 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. Whoa. It was yeah. so rad. Yeah. I'm s- I feel really lucky that I was somehow like included. Yes. I in think that. that's the right way to look at it. You yeah. know? Because I. Because it's like historical yeah, at this point. I know. You know? Yeah. There was a really. There was a lot of exciting. Th- it was kind of like the thing. It, got, it kind of got me back into music in a way. Like when I first moved here in 2005. Like. You know, because, like, you know, shows had become things where everybody just kind of did this, you know? Mm-hmm. You know? And just, I got here and everybody was just having a great time. Totally. You know? Yes. And that energy was just so contagious. And the bills were always so eclectic. And everybody, you know, everybody was so different. But it all made sense together. Yeah. You know? Yes. It was very exciting. Thanks to Audible.com, a leading provider of audiobooks with more than 180,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. If there's a book you want, it's probably on Audible.com. My recommendation this week is My Life on the Road by Gloria Steinem. I had an amazing and unreal experience interviewing 
her last week, and we're so excited to share it with you soon. We talked a lot about uh, stories from her book, so take a listen to her book, which is read by Gloria, as well as Deborah Winger, uh, before the interview, which will be out in a few weeks. Right now, Audible is offering a free 30-day trial for Oh Boy listeners. Just go to audible.com MR and browse over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. And it's a great way to support the show. And if you don't love it, Audible's great listen guarantee means you can exchange an audiobook at any time, no questions asked. Get a free 30-day trial at audible.com MR. Okay, back to the show. So you put your CD out, and, and it's starting to, like, people are starting to come around to it. Like, wh- what, wh- what was going on? You know, like, were people, you know, were you sending it to other places besides New York? Um, yeah, eventually. I think I set up a PayPal. Yeah. And spent a lot of time at the Greenpoint Post Office <laughs> over the years. That's the great post office, man. That's <laughs> uh-huh. the secret, like... Because the Williamsburg one on, like, South 3rd or whatever is, like, the end of the world. It's a it's portal like, to hell. It's, like, the post-apocalyptic, like, <laughs> yes. no good, very bad place. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Greenpoint is pretty rough, too, but no, it's... That's nothing compared to that. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely <laughs> true. So I spent a lot of time at the at the post office. I, I spent time managing my MySpace. Yeah. Curating um, your top eight. Yeah. Which was very important. Exactly. But also an amazing way like to find out about new music. That's the thing I miss the most about MySpace was like you would go to your the band that you likes page. Yeah. And then you would see like, oh, who are their like top friends? You yes. know, and then it I was just that. you could just like go into these just like wormholes and just And that doesn't really exist it now. It doesn't. It doesn't. The Facebook music pages are not like navigation or wit- listening or watching friendly it's kind of like weird i know um and soundcloud isn't the same you're right i remember doing that it was the top friends thing yeah and like you could just like you could be like oh i like this oh who are they who are they like and like you just discover all this amazing music in like a very short time span totally you know it was was, was exciting i'm not trying to you know you know be uh lamenting the past too much but it was a it was a really cool kind of experience that I do miss me too you know yeah so uh, did you uh was like touring on your mind at that time no no I I didn't know um well I was I was just like working my job I had like a job in a photo studio early 2007 put out sanguine you know, some, I was getting like a little bit of reaction, you know, mm-hmm. and then come March or something, 2007 was like when, you know, everything kind of started to, to happen because what does that mean? Yeah. huge, huge, huge Panda Bear fan. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think 2007 was the year person pitch came out, which is a perfect record. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, huge Panda Bear fan, I think Pitchfork or something posted like, uh, you know, a a thing about, you know, Panda Bear does radio show interview thing. And I listened to it because it was really rare to hear him talk or Mm -hmm. hear him play live. And it was both of those things for like an hour. And I was just geeking out over it. 
And the person that did the interview, is na- his name is Sergio Hidalgo, mm-hmm. and he lives in Lisbon, where Panda Bear also yeah. lives. And I I uh, looked around on his, his blog. It was called Mafama. And he had done that with a few other artists, like Rings, which was like Abby Portner's mm-hmm. old band, and like Kit Malone, and like some other people that had rolled through Lisbon. And so I, I, you know, took a shot and like added Mafama as a friend on MySpace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of hope that he listens to my music and likes it yeah. and maybe something cool will happen. And it totally happened. And Sergio invited me to, he was like, come to Lisbon. We'll do Mafama. I'll get you on national radio. We'll set you up some shows. And do you want to do that? And I was yeah. like, yes. <laughs> so I was working in this really like kind of dismal photo studio and excited about music, but just, you know, waiting, waiting for things to fall into place. I didn't want to push anything too hard because I know that that doesn't really work, right. you know? Um, so I said yes. I was like, yes. And I had no idea I was going to do that because, of course, you know, I was poor like I pretty much always have been living here. <laughs> but um it was like March and we decided on doing it in like September and, uh, and he posted a couple MP3s on his blog and he had a lot of people looking at his blog. Another dude in London got in touch and he said, I love your stuff. Would you want to play London in September? I will set up shows for you and take you to every sound check. Oh, so I had two like complete like music angels. Yeah outside of New York organizing this tour for me, you know, just, these were just friends. Right. This wasn't like a promoter or booking agent. No, these were just the, randos. That was like the spirit of the time. I yeah. mean, I remember like I heard this guy's music from France and I was like, I love this. I want to put this out on a, on a seven inch. Yeah. And like, I had no idea what I was doing, yeah. but I just, I was like, this needs to exist in the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was like a really, it was like an, it was a really, it was out of excitement and love. I think a lot of the, a lot of stuff happened in that Absolutely. time Absolutely. You know? I mean, that's all, all it was because they certainly weren't getting any money out right. of the deal. And you know, I wasn't really getting much either. <laughs> you know, I probably paid for that trip, but you know, everybody does, everybody has to pay their dues yeah, as a musician. Of course. You, you, you lose money for a couple of years yeah. at least, unless uh-huh. you just blow up out of nowhere. Right. But, um, that's I, not good either though, because then you don't have any like legs to stand on. Yeah. You know, I see, you see it all the time. You see people that get too big too quick. You know, they don't know how to like, they don't know Sustain. how to command those spaces yeah. that they're in. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that trip was ended up being like three weeks. So I was like in London for a week, Lisbon for like 10 days, and then London again for a couple of days. That's so cool. And, you know. Was it just a, you solo? It was just me. Yeah. I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd played like Glasslands twice here. Maybe Union um, Hall yeah. once. Yeah. I, I mean, it was like probably under 10 shows, I would say for sure. And so I went over there with like a suitcase with no wheels and like my gear bag was like, was a soft bag that had no wheels. Like I, I just didn't know. I was, did not know what I was yeah, doing, yeah. you know, wheels, very important. <laughs> I've, very I've learned. Important. Yeah. Um, so I just went and like took a chance and, and those two guys, 
um, really set things up for me. And I played a bunch of shows. And then, like, while I was in Lisbon, my London friend said, hey, would you want to open for Dirty Projectors? Like, um, their opener had visa problems. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And so, did you know those guys? No, no, I'd never met them, and I I played with them at Barden's Boudoir, like, you know, late September or something, two thousand seven. They were Rise Above had just come out. They were like, you know, catching on, and I loved them. And then Dave asked me to open for them for Bowery a couple months later, and I'm you know, became friendly with all those people. That's and great. It, it just goes on and on and on right. and on the way this trip, like... It's just, it's you're got, still on this trip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. It's all from that trip. Yeah, like Nat Baldwin <laughs> opened some shows for me a couple of weeks ago, you yeah. know, and this is like almost 10 years later. Yeah. Yeah. That's the really cool thing. Like, what was that experience like when you're kind of, when you kind of almost had entered that world and you, people were responding to your music and there was people, like, you were playing with people whose music you obviously loved and, you know, made, you know, what, what does that feel like when you finally kind of get to enter that world a little bit it was exhilarating yeah because you know I was a huge 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 music fan when mm -hmm. sanguine came out and i had no idea like what was going to happen or how it happens or you know i was just like having some i had some people in my life that were giving me some really good advice luckily um but, you know, I'd just been obsessed with Animal Collective and Sufjan Stevens and, you know, Grouper and uh, all these people that I would go see here, like Black Dice and all of these things, Eric Copeland. And, you know, like, it felt really dreamy. Yeah. It's like, I think I might be able to do this. And that's awesome because after that trip in 2007, I was just like, this is the best life. Mm. I want to make this happen. Yeah. I want to make stuff and communicate with people and travel. And this is like, this feels like tailor made for my existence. That's amazing. Were there any frustrating moments, you know, during that, you know, when you've been trying to like, you know, live your life as like a professional musician, is there things that you find frustrating um, or kind of challenges that you've had to deal with? It's been pretty chill. I, I mean, I can't really, I, you know, I've had some some stinky situations, but that's like par for the course. Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of learning, um, <laughs> learnings. Yeah. I like when I opened for Dirty Projectors at Bowery. I think it was like late 2007, not long after that trip. I had terrible, terrible feedback during that show. Yeah. And I was, and I just didn't know, you know, like I didn't know to tell the guys like, don't point four monitors at me. Like yeah. I'm looping. I, you know, I just, I, I just didn't know what I was doing yet. So, you know, it was just, just learning stuff. Figuring out as you go. Yeah, yeah. And just, um, you know, trying to pay for stuff. But, um, I had a lot of help from, from my family too. Yeah. I mean, I th I'm pretty sure my dad like financed that trip over to London and Lisbon at the last moment, yeah. you know? That's cool. That's cool that your parents are like down to like help you do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give anyone the wrong idea. Like I 
paid for my own college. I saved up for months to move to New York, but I feel like, and you know, I wasn't getting any handouts. Oh they, no, no, no! But, but I mean, this is, we, me. we, you, you need support like from wherever you can get it. It's it was so special. hard to do this shit. It was so special. You know? Yeah, I mean, I like, I just, uh, it, I wasn't used to getting gifts like that from my parents, but yeah. they made that work to That's help cool. me get to London and yeah. Lisbon. It's beautiful. Was there a moment when you felt like things were taking off? after that taken off like where you're just like wow i can do this like this can be like my full-time existence it didn't happen for a while Mm -hmm. i knew that i wanted it to be my existence after that trip so in 2008 i just got a nanny job Mm -hmm. and and worked on stuff billy um jones asked me to do uh a residency at pianos by oh, like cool. 2009 i think because flooring came out in 2009 and flooring was initially an e-music select which is like a long time ago yeah, kind of yeah. thing but that was yancey strickler getting in touch with me who now like you know he's like the head of kickstarter oh wow but back in the day he was at e-music and i was like I was talking to a label for like half a year that did, it didn't end up working out with them. And yeah. in the interim, I'd gotten this email from Yancey, like, would you want to do an e-music select? It's like five or six songs. We have it digitally exclusively for like, I think it was like six weeks or something. And then you can do whatever you want with it. You can make a CD, vinyl, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And I, and once the, the, label deal record deal didn't work out i went back to yancey i was like is this still on the table (laughs) because like um that would be really cool that would give me like something to do right now and so i made florine and then because you know yancey and i had that connection he then asked me to if i would want to do a kickstarter project to put florine on vinyl which i think was like the very first Let's make a music thing on Kickstarter. Really? It was like right at the beginning. Wow. Yeah, and uh, and it was successful. And I made uh, white vinyl for Florine, mailed them all out myself. Mm-hmm. That was also a self-release. Yeah. So Sanguine and Florine are self-releases. Just like which... taping up those vinyl mailers, those like 12-inch mailers. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the project was successful, so yeah. like I had like... It was a few, several days project. Yeah. It was so exciting and, you know, like getting the art together for, for it and just every little part of it. Were you doing photography? Were you doing any of your own photography for any of the album art? Um, well, Sanguine's a collage I made. Mm-hmm. The cover's a collage I made. Um, the Magic Place, just that tree picture is a photo I took. Cool. Yeah. Um, actually, Nepenthe, the moon mm-hmm. on the cover, is a super moon that happened in Reykjavik while I was there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you recorded that in Iceland. Yeah. What What was your, um, was that like your, you're like, I want to go out to Iceland. I want to go. Was there somebody, you, there was like a guy that you worked with? Yeah. Alex I remember seeing like a making of video yeah. that you did, right? Yeah, like, it was like, like the teaser. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, made by Derek Belcham. He he went over there both times with me and documented it. And then, thank goodness he did. And we did like three takeaway shows. Yeah. And all kinds of stuff. And um, 
yeah. What that, was your experience like in Iceland? It was it was really amazing, really complex, really emotional. Like, I guess that kind of comes through on the record. <laughs> Just um, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, of course I didn't go there with demos cause I don't do that. Mm-hmm. And I just made everything right there. And it was like a very new situation for me cause I'd never had anyone listening to my stuff as I made it. Mm-hmm. Never ran anything by anybody. I'd always done everything with all of my records up to mastering Right before then. What was that like working in that new situation? It was awesome. Yeah. I mean with anybody else, it might not have worked out great, but Alex and I just, loved each other from day one. Alex is. Alex Summers yeah. of like uh, Yonzi and Alex, Rice Boy Sleeps. He does a lot of like mixing and production for Cigarose, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so the initial email came from Alex January 2011, I think. And mm-hmm. we talked all year about doing it. And then by February 2012, that was the first time I went over there. And we just started making stuff. And it was an incredible experience. You know, not only was I working with Alex, but Robbie from Moom came over and did some really weird, awesome guitar stuff with pedals he made. Oh, wow. And Amina played strings, and we recorded them in the Sunglane studio, which is like Sigaros's like swimming pool studio, which oh. is completely unbelievable. It's a swimming pool? It used to be. Oh, wow. So... The, the mixing board in the mixing room sits above where everyone is playing. Everybody's like in the pool. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's incredible. And it's very beautiful and very fancy. And I, you know, I was like, so like crazy happy to, to be there because yeah. it was so unusual. It's funny that it's funny because like I've been to Iceland before and I've, when I was in Iceland, I f- you, it, f- it just it feels like the moon. Yes. Like the, the, the landscape just feels lunar. Totally. You know? Yes. It it's, doesn't look like any other place no. on earth. No. It's visually stunning everywhere you go. Um, just walking by the water. Like um, Derek and I took a car to Thingvellir Park and, and, you know, I did the, what's it called? Funny tour. Golden Star Tour, whatever it is. Where you go to like the waterfalls and stuff. Yeah, you do everything. Geysers, waterfalls, this really beautiful church. Um, And Thingvellir Park, you learn about like, you know, the first parliament ever in the world existed (laughs) there. All these things. But it's just this like unbelievably like craggy, raw um, landscape that's like black lava rock and then spongy cartoony moss and then like snow-capped mountains and glaciers and you just it it goes on and on and on the the waterfalls amazing and um very special very like deep and heavy time there Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways well well, that's, uh, you know, like when you're working on a new album, you know, how do you approach making a new record? Like where, where do you start? Well, you know, I just made a record last year and it was, I, you Which know, just came out. Yeah, yeah. May 6th called Will. And 
you know, after my Iceland experience and then touring Nepenthe for a very long time, mm-hmm. um, you know, needed to make another record. Yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, <laughs> like, I, uh, wow. It was like equally exciting to go back to my Hermity bedroom recording mm-hmm. roots, but also like, you know, having been like completely super pro recorded. Right. You know, and like, and in such a special place and such a special people and experience, it was kind of like, it was a little daunting. And it took me a long time to kind of like, just sort of get it together last year. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I was like, okay, I, I got to stop, reco- start recording, stop. <laughs> I got to start recording some stuff. And like, we just recorded stuff in a, with a few different opportunities I had last year and, um, and made some personal like wishes, music, musical wishes come mm-hmm. true. And it was just kind of like a step by step thing. There was no like, you know, like I'm in Iceland, I'm doing this with Alex and these people. It was more like, let's see where this takes us. Like there's no master plan. Right. You know, did you, did you enjoy touring? Totally. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the reality of like musicians in this time period. Like that's the only way you can be a professional musician. Completely. You know, totally. You just have to get out there and play your stuff for the nice people. Yep. You know? Yep. Touring's a really special thing. Like, I just, you just create these bonds with people that don't exist, like, anywhere else on the planet. Totally. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm sure, like, you have this experience all the time where you could run into somebody you toured with, like, maybe six years ago or something and for a month. And it's like, there's just, like, this deep connection. Oh, totally. You know? It's, like, It's a really beautiful thing. It's like that summer camp feeling when everyone finally opens up at the end of the week and Uh starts crying and doesn't want to leave each other, you know? Like, it's like that times 50. Yeah. Because you are, you're dedicating yourself to something that's totally unusual and it's hard and you're putting yourself out there and you're, you're conjuring up the emotions and, and, you know, the energy to do a good show every night and you try to stay healthy and, and you're doing it all together. So yeah, tour mates, you know, that's, that's a special bond for sure. Do you have like a regular group of folks that you, that you tour with now? Um, I don't travel with like a TM or a sound person or anything. Not yet anyway, but, um, I've been playing some shows with Massisa Mm -hmm. and we're doing another run next month. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's great. What what have been the tough moments for you when you've been trying to make it work? Um, it's, I don't, I don't really, it's not tough yeah. for me. I mean, I'm sure there's that like a lot of annoying situations, like a lot of sweat, like running to a train with your keyboard case, your rolly bag and your backpack. But like, I just, it's hard for me to really say anything about something that was bad or annoyed me because I just, I love doing it and I feel lucky to be doing that. And I certainly wouldn't want to be like, you know, working a nine to five, you know, all of these things I'm like, I'm like eternally grateful for and excited about. 
what are the things that still excite you and you still find like what are the things what are the things where you find like inspiration and and what what are things that still excite you i mean adventure and travel and relationships with people Mm -hmm. you know life stuff yeah it's like i you know all the music i make is just um it's in the moment so it's it's just like i'm just like a speaker for whatever emotion is is happening Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah, makes life circumstance yeah that kind of thing um, you know, do you see, how do you see things changing in the music world? Well, um, I think, I think that streaming has taken over. Mm-hmm. I think most people watch or listen to music on YouTube. Yeah. Myself included. I do it all the time. All the time. And, you know, other music is closing and, I don't know. It's a little, it's a little scary. An online community of any kind is not the same as what you and I experienced at other music. Mm -hmm. It's just not the same and it's distancing people and it's not, it's not cultivating lasting or it might, I don't know. But for me, I, it doesn't seem like it's cultivating lasting relationships where you, you know, the faces of the people who support you because you've been you've seen their face in real time, you know, not just like a picture on online. And I, I, I know that so many people and so many people have helped me in this way have like given their time, knowledge and expertise to me on the house just to support me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I just feel like it's with everything shifting over to just everything being kind of like online and, Streamy, it's just kind of like breaking down communities in a way. And in my mind, I haven't really thought too much about this, but right, I, no, but no, that totally makes sense. You know, because the, the 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 thing for me is that um, when I, I I like I miss that feeling of like when when music that you like you earned music, the music that you listen to, you know, like streaming all that stuff. I mean, yeah, you pay for it, but it's like that thing of like going to the store. Get in the record, you know, just like you said, like you took your cab, or you took a cab yeah. over to other music with like five dollars, and you, and you know, you're like, I gotta get this. Yep. You know what I mean? It's like that kind of feeling where, you know, you have these memories tied to the music of like even just like acquiring it Absolutely. is like is a part of the story of how you experience it. Yeah, I mean, other music, like I feel feelings in my heart about this place, and even like a couple months ago, I was running an errand nearby. And I was like, man, oh, I, I have to stop by other music Every and, time and you're get in that, something. Like a 10 block vicinity, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta go. Have to. You know. And I went in and I got Bjork's debut on vinyl, and um, it was like I saw it. I was like, oh, this is what I have to get today. Yeah. <laughs> and it just feels good to go in there and and um, you know buy something from from the store because it's kind of for me all these years 15 years it's been kind of in in my way I could order that online and Amazon and have it the next day Mm -hmm. probably but me going there and you know saying hi and buying something right there it's a way of saying thank you to 
that establishment yeah. all those people that made it what it what it was do you remember like um you know they had their like mailing list that they send out every oh, week oh yes and i remember like in the I early 2000s so much just well blogs weren't a thing i remember just like waiting they had like the previews of the records on like real player do you remember yeah. like real yep. audio yep. and just sitting there like waiting like two minutes for it to buffer so i could listen to like a 30 second snippet totally or something and be like i have i've never heard this this is incredible yeah like i want to be in this world totally you know? like what's this aerial paint guy yeah. what's <laughs> no kate, i know kate i wait i think was on that mailing <laughs> yes, list i know i know it's like yeah and <laughs> he makes kate the I drums wait. with his mouth and i was like what yeah this is crazy yeah i totally was i i was uh <laughs> i was on that list for many 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 yeah. many years um what's next for you what are, what are your hopes for for the future I um, am doing a lot of shows around Will. Mm -hmm. That's very exciting. Yeah. Um, Doing some Europe dates in June with my friend Martin, who played cello on the record. And I also played some shows with him last year. So he played on some Nepenthe songs. So we're about to do five shows together in Europe. That's next. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. And then another run with Massisa, who is one of my favorite musicians and also sang on the record. That's like the immediate thing. More touring next, right. for, the, for the rest of the year, touring, touring, touring. But I have absolutely no idea what's next mm-hmm. next. Um, and you enjoy that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm kind of looking to possibly start kind of switching it up. Maybe do, do some like special projects, collaborations or studio projects or film scores or something like start kind of like alternating things and spreading out the album cycle just a little bit. Um, that's cool. Just keeping busy and dreaming, dreaming up stuff. Did you ever get to meet Bjork? Yes. You did. Okay. Yes. (laughs) So (laughs) incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually, um, last year at the wick for one of the tinnitus shows. She was running around. She's real good friends with Brandon at Pitchfork, who's a friend of mine also. And we just kind of like were, she was coming out a door I was going in. Mm -hmm. And there was just kind of a moment where we just started talking. And I was pretty, pretty um, on cloud nine. Yeah, Yeah, so you got your wish of moving to New York. It came, it came true. And meeting Bjork. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Juliana Barwick, thank you so much. Thanks. Yeah.